You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of Flash of Steel. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and with me tonight are Tom Chick. Hello, everyone. I, I have my coffee here. If I can get anyone a coffee, let me know. I'll go into the kitchen and make it for you. It's going to get so old so fast. It already has. It just gets older. And Bruce Garrick. See, the, the thing that I actually am imagining now is like Tom dressed as a Hestatus, like running around in a coffee shop, like delivering coffee to people. A Hestatus is a Roman senator. Just so you guys no. know, just for the listening audience. God. And there will be a link to it at the bottom of the podcast. Yes, there will. Um, before we get started, I actually have I actually prepared today, and uh, since I missed last week and couldn't catch Troy on this, I wanted to make sure I got him. Um, Troy, you were talking about Jim Dunnigan. Yeah. You mentioned him talking about war games. Yes. And he's and you said, and I quote, he knows more about war games than I'll forget. I remember that. I can attest that Troy said that. Yes. You don't even have to check the tape. Right. And I have that, have that saying backwards. He'll, he'll he's forgotten more than I'll ever know. Thank you. Okay, we can move on. Oh, I didn't even realize that tr- that Troy messed up the idiom. See, I I, I understood what Troy meant. See, Tom yes. is always Tom is always correcting me on stuff like that. So I, you know, <laughs> I'm just no. I was I was listening to the podcast and I realized I screwed that up. He's a smarter man than I am, Mister Dunnigan. Yeah, he's a smart guy. So we were talking about uh, what were we going to talk about this week. This week wait, wait, we're are we done with the pedantry part of the show? Have we, uh, is there any more pedantry? Anyone? Oh, there's always room for more pedantry. That's I'm sure it will come up. Very That's true. Tom's favorite word. I just learned it today. I, I, I was trying to get it in the conversation. So, All right, so, that out of the way. We can move on. Thank you. Good to see that Reader's Digest is doing its job. <laughs> uh, uh, tonight we want to talk about Demigod, which is coming out in a couple of weeks' time. and The release date's April 14th, and we've all been playing what I think is the final beta. Uh, oh, God, I hope is- not. Well, beta, I mean, I don't think... Uh, I, I think, didn't Brad Wardell say that the build we've been playing is several weeks behind what will be released? I could be wrong about that, but I believe that's... Oh, yeah, case. I guess he did. You're right, yeah, this he did the, say that. So, this sorry. is the last, the, last, the last public beta, at least. Yeah. Um, relatively public. How does that work? Does the, I mean, is the last beta, I mean, is like the last whatever byte that they change... Before the retail version, the, the the last beta, or I don't know how that works. Well, I think the reason to point that out, Bruce, is uh, yeah. Stardock has always been very good about letting people who pre-order their games play their betas, and they upgrade the beta over time, over the course of the, the game's development cycle. So that that's right. just our way of saying this is the most recent version that has been playable for for folks. Got it. Because um, okay. it's been the earlier betas were were a lot rougher. Uh, yes, I can attest. Hmm. All right, well, that's interesting. Um, we actually tried to... Uh, we actually played... Tom and I played a couple games uh, in a sort of, you know, tribute to Tom versus Bruce. Um, but uh, we, Tom and I had a game earlier today. Oh, so we got it to work. Because we I was getting the yeah. uh, CVP error, or whatever it was called. Wouldn't let, would, The game wouldn't start for me. And I think those were probably just server things while they're tinkering with the server. It It seems to me... And I hesitate. It seems to me that it's pretty polished in terms of how well it runs. And also, Bruce, when Bruce and I played, uh, we got horrible frame rate problems because Bruce's uh, 386DX is a little bit below spec. Um, When I played with Troy, I didn't have any of those frame rate problems. And also, Bruce, you had to leave during one of our games 
um, right near the end. And the moment you logged off, it, it just picked up like that. So oh, really? I think oh. part of the problem is if some, somebody in the game is sort of has a lower-end computer, it kind of mm. pulls everyone down a little bit. Wow. That's very sort of egalitarian of them. Uh, so I guess but I yeah, need to upgrade. Well, our, yeah, our games, the one with Bruce and I was just like unplayable by the time it was over. Uh, yeah. You know, it was an hour-long game. It was quite the grind. And by the time it was over, it was just the frame rate just sort of just like stuttering like like crazy. It was, it, Bruce, you were saying it was like unplayable on your end. Yeah, it's almost unplayable for me. But I guess that's just I need to finally upgrade, which I haven't really had a reason to since I've been playing a lot of games. But uh, maybe this is maybe Demigod will be the game that makes me upgrade. Well, you've you've played it, Bruce. What do you think the chances are that Demigod is going to be the game that pushes you over the edge in twenty first century? Zero. Well, I mean, not to, because it's a bad game. Actually, I I I think I I think it's very interesting. I, there are a lot of things about it that I like. Um, I just don't think I would ever play it uh, against the awful awful AI that is in the beta. And I'm actually kind of surprised because um, you know Stardock tends to have uh, Stardock developed games. Now, this is obviously, I guess we should point out, this is... Um, this is developed by a gas-powered game. Right, which is a Chris Taylor uh, production. Yes. And uh, Stardock is just the publisher, but the games that I've played by Stardock that they actually developed, meaning uh, Galactic Civilizations 1 and 2 and uh, Political Machine, uh, were all had great AI. Uh, Political Machine is great AI? Well, the, the first... I don't, you know, I didn't really play 08, but I thought the first... Uh, Political Machine had pretty darn good AI. At least it did, and there's some weird problems in the the one that the, the re-release. Uh, yeah, something the most happened there. Not very good. Yeah, uh, but, but Bruce is right. I mean, Stardock is known for good AIs. Gas-powered games, not so much. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so I don't go, think. Go ahead. I was going to say before we we get too much into the nuts and bolts, I would be curious to sort of go around the room and have each of us try to sort of explain what exactly Demigod is. Because for someone who hasn't played it and who maybe yeah. thinks it's a real-time strategy game, they are going to be – they're in for a rude awakening if they actually buy it and expect a, a conventional real-time strategy game. Uh, so I'm just curious. How would you guys present or describe or explain Demigod to someone who hasn't tried it? Troy can go first. Uh you're fighting World War One in real time. Is how you know what it is. It's these long slog battles of attrition. Um, it's a real time strategy game. You got to start there. Everything moves in real time. You plan in real time. Uh, the defining feature is you are pretty much really in control of a single unit. Uh, the generals divide into two different types, assassins and generals. The generals have a little bit more control. But for the most part, you are a big thing, and other stuff just rallies around you. And it's all about taking out the other guys, uh, d- d- destroy the flag, more or less, instead of capture it. Well, there is capturing flags. It, yeah, it's a real-time strategy game where you control one unit. Yeah. Bruce, well, how, would I would you, actually, how would you... I would actually describe it as... Um, Chris Taylor's uh, Minotaur simulation game, uh, <laughs> which uh, probably is how I would, would uh, present it to the layman. But uh, to anybody who actually plays any kind of games and knows about games, as far as I'm concerned, Demigod is the computer version of Titan. And I want to explain, uh, Titan is probably, and Tom, by the way, doesn't like Titan because he doesn't understand Titan. Um, 
it makes him mad because it has too many uh, little hexagons and things. But that's very uh, true, by the way. That's actually true. Titan. We should explain that Titan is an old Avalon Hill game. Yes, but it's a fan. It's actually been republished now, I believe. Uh, uh, the, the, the Valley Games has done yes, it, right? Yes, and uh, I, my understanding is that they've. I actually haven't seen a copy of it, but it's uh, it's pretty much a re, re, uh, release of the original with bigger, nicer components. But um, Titan is. I think it's it's probably my favorite board game. Uh, it's a it's it's a very it's it's sort of an abstract game, but uh, the whole point of it is you have a sort of leader unit called your Titan, and you go around the board and recruit other units, and then you fight the you know legions of your of your opponents. Um, but it's also the the real uh, the real balance is balancing the sort of development of your Titan, and in the board game, it's very simple. It's just how many points you score makes your Titan stronger uh, versus recruiting uh, a bunch of different uh, creatures for your legions, which then you use to fight other legions. Um, I think that there's actually a, a, a Titan computer uh, sort of free uh, implementation of Titan that, they, that was written a few years ago um, called Colossus, I think. Uh, which there will be a link to at the bottom of this podcast. But um, the uh, I think that Demigod... Stop, stop telling me what I'll be linking. <laughs> and uh, and also the Mark Stein book about Titan. Um, so uh, the, the thing about Demigod is that Demigod to me is exactly the kind of thing that you would do to Titan if you were to make it a computer game. Because just like Troy said, it's really about your single one guy. And all the rest of it, you have this map, uh, you get units, just like in Titan, that sort of come from uh, these fixed spawn points and they go along these fixed uh, paths and they fight the enemy units and you don't really have any control over that. All you have control over is your one unit and as your one unit does damage and kills things, he can, uh, or she can uh, level up using the experience that you gain, uh, buy items, buy gear, uh, that kind of thing. And uh, it's really exactly what you would do with a game like Titan if you were to put it on the computer. You sort of take all the extraneous things and, and, and sort of move them to the periphery, and then you take the, the leader thing and just put a whole bunch of junk into it, the, the leveling up junk. Now, I'm not saying that this is done particularly well, um, but I think that, that the whole idea is it's, it's an almost amazing uh, uh, sort of translation of uh, computer titan in sort of in spirit. Um, but if that isn't enough for you, I actually did some research uh, in the form of uh, going through a whole bunch of boxes uh, where I have old games and I found the designer's notes to the Avalon Hill version of Titan. And I just want to read this to you because I think this this is pretty much demigod. Okay, whatever whoever designed demigod read the first three paragraphs of the designer's notes. I'm going to read them to you if you can just bear with me here. So, mm-hmm. the Titan designer's notes state: Our original conception of developing a fantasy war game occurred in 1970. We drew up a floor-length board which depicted a popular world of adventure and peopled it with its indigenous races as well as a few of our own. 
All movement was made on the map, and the game developed frontally out from the citadels and cavern fortresses which generated new forces. The fronts did not consume as quickly as they were fed, and the game tended to bog down as second and third lines for reserves solidified the fronts. During the early 1970s, we worked with and playtested a system set on a symmetrical world of our own concoction. Movement remained confined to a single board, and the conflict kept up fronts, although these were more fluid than before. It was still too difficult to approach those enemy strongholds from which their troops sprang, and the games were endless. In 1976, we added terrain-specific tactical displays and placed the overgame on a hexagonal web of the various terrains. We made the production of forces dependent on movement rather than the retention of strong points. Titan was born. It was a more playable, more enjoyable system, but play remained endless. Period. <laughs> that is awesome, Bruce. Awesome find. Actually, so very good comparison. I don't know what you guys think about the whole way the game plays, but I think that sums the whole thing up. So I think, yeah. So I think part of what Bruce is getting at for people who haven't played it is, and as Troy alluded with the World War One thing, it really does feel like this just head-to-head slog of a grind. Now, there's a couple of points that I would make. One being, uh, I've only played head-to-head multiplayer a couple of times. Uh, once with Troy, a couple times with Bruce. In those games, by the time the game was over, everybody's Titan was maxed out at level 20, and it was just sort of a matter of whose level 20 build wins out over the other guy's level 20 build. And it just seemed like everything in between was this sort of interminable slog. So one factor for that might be the fact that we don't really know what we're doing and how to exploit weaknesses yet. Uh, it could be like I, a couple of guys who don't know an RTS trying to play, so neither guy can knock the other one out. So invariably they end up bringing out their juggernauts and it becomes a sort of a stalemate. That That's one point. That could be happening. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree, and I'm not saying that I'm any ex- expert in, in demigod tactics, or uh, and, and and certainly um, I could see how already from playing how you could sort of take advantage of certain things, and and uh, it's almost it's really important to know that the pattern that those guys are are using on the map that your your extra troops do, but still, exactly. I mean, I, it, it just it seems like you can't really reduce the other guy unless you go you know step by step through all of his. Uh, uh, you know, little point defenses, which at the beginning are well, very powerful. And that brings me to a, another point, uh, is that, yeah, like Bruce is saying, the defenses are really powerful. Your units that spawn from the portals, they always go on a predetermined path. You have no control over that. But that brings me to my second point, and that the games that we've tried were one-versus-one games on small maps. And on the small maps, there are really only one or two paths you can choose. Uh, the, there's not a lot of variety. On the bigger maps, no. there's a lot more variety in terms of what route you take to the other guy's stronghold. And along the routes, there are flags that you capture that give you a global bonus. So the choice of route can determine sort of what bonuses you get. And I wonder if that will open up the gameplay a bit more as well uh, on the bigger maps with more variety where it's not sort of preordained to be a head-to-head slog down one path. Right, but then you still have a bigger map, and you'll have to slog through that. That's true. That I would mean, add time, that's... yeah. Uh, and then another thing that I uh, would would wonder if it changes much, it seems to me that this isn't necessarily built uh, as a, a one-versus-one game. Uh, it, it seems a lot of the gameplay they want to come from this is to have teams of people on each side 
where there are various synergies with the different demigod builds. And, and I think they expect that might mix up the gameplay a bit more as well. I, I don't know if that would come through, because I've only played bigger games with AI opponents, and it's sort of hard to see how the builds affect the gameplay when it's just the AI uh, doing stuff. Right. Um, I mean, these are all good points. I think that the thing that we're forgetting is that it may just be that, you know, this is how it actually was in demigod times, and they're sort of kind of have to simulate, you know, the historical reality. So kind of... Authenticity is very important. Yeah, we, yeah. we can't... We can't yeah. they, they don't want to make an unrealistic game. Yeah, so... I mean, I, I'll, I'll give them that. I mean, Chris Taylor's probably done a lot more research on, uh, you know, minotaurs than I have. That's right. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I just... It seems like the... Um, the idea is great. The I have to play a whole bunch more games. I think they're the having the the sort of auxiliary reinforcements go on these predetermined paths is a, is a nice idea, but uh, I think it I think it really sort of robs you of a lot of strategy. I'm not sure yet, but that there are things that you want to take advantage of that you can't really do because you just have to watch these these random guys just kind of run around and do their own thing. You're you're reacting too much to the to the to the game rather than playing the game, but it's, what, it's one what exception I would take to that because I, I'm sorry I cut you off, but I, I definitely agree with that, Bruce. Is that it can feel that way, especially if you're playing one of the assassin generals or, or uh, uh, demigods. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the, the demigods, there's eight of them that'll ship with the game. Four of them are called assassins, and the the sort of idea behind the assassins is they have uh, more direct spell powers. Uh, as a matter of fact, it would be helpful for Troy and I to sort of talk about how the game we played sort of shook out today, because I think it illustrates the main difference between assassins and the other kind of demigods, which are called generals. Now, generals, I think, address a little bit of what you're talking about, Bruce, in that a general, instead of getting more direct spell powers, he can summon three types of units, and he can eventually build up a little army that he can either apply to whatever battle on the field he wants or that he can have travel around with him. Uh, so I think a general gets like a lot more sort of army pushing ability to influence well, the, the map. The general also has um, over on the left side of the screen the ability to control the minions, to select them, to rally the minions towards where he is. The assassin is none of that. The assassin is a lone wolf. There is no control, no influence over anything the minions do besides not being able to summon uh, guardian units like uh, the Minotaurs or what have you. So I yeah, guess but some I mean, of these. Go ahead, Bruce. I was just reading the the um, the description of that the Minotaur guy, and it said that he had many independent weapons. So I mean, I'm I'm more uh, more a fan of things that are independent rather than um, the sort of the uh, statist politics that you guys are involved with. <laughs> so I mean, I, that. So it, it's it's too bad that uh, Chris Taylor seems to think that uh, that kind of play has to be nerfed. So. <laughs> we should point out, by the way, that when Bruce says Minotaur, he's actually referring to the the demigod called the Rook, and its independent weapons are. And these were so annoying when I was playing with you, Bruce. He can build like little laser towers and archers on his massive shoulders, and he can drop. Uh, he's he might be the only guy actually who can dr- basically drop turrets on the map. I want is that correct? I don't know. I've played against the Rook. I haven't controlled okay. him. Uh, and he can also, like, Bruce was, like, healing himself. I mean, he's just this, he's basically a mobile fortress. Uh, yes. Which is just incredibly annoying. Uh, yeah, it doesn't work out that all that well, though, because uh, 
as you saw, I almost I almost defeated Tom in this game uh, that took an hour at least, if not more. And, well over uh, an hour. Yeah, because of our because our frame rate was slowing down, the actual game clock by the time it was over was something like fifty four minutes. But we had spent damn near an hour and a half playing <laughs> yeah, a fifty four sure. minute game. <laughs> Guarantee. Yeah, that yeah, there's yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, the game had this sort of this ebb and flow where um, if you're if you're uh, Titan guys in the front of the battle, then you obviously goes much better for you. And I was sort of wrecking Tom Citadel, but then I ran out of heal potions. And uh, if you if you lose, the interesting thing is if you lose your um, your Titan, then um, he's out of the game for some predetermined period of time. And if the opponent kills you with his Titan. Then he gets a whole bunch of gold, which can be used to purchase a lot of good things. So losing your your Titan is really bad, and you prefer to sort of leave the battle for some period of time um, and heal up rather than get killed. Uh, and so at that at that moment, I had to retreat, and that kind of cost me the the chance to to knock Tom out. And then it kind of went the other way. And um, so in that way, I mean, the game was was pretty interesting. But it just there wasn't much for me. There really, really wasn't much for me to do. Uh, so I guess I'll have to try to one of these other um, I don't know what commissars or whatever Tom uh, plays. So. <laughs> one of the things though that uh, that I find most intriguing about the game. So Bruce, you were playing uh, the Rook, aka the Minotaur. I was mm-hmm. playing the same guy I had with you today, Troy. He's a, a, a general demigod called Oak, um, and each demigod has a, a fairly generous sort of skill tree. And you yes. can go up 20 levels. Each time you go up a level, you get a point you can use to buy a skill. It's very much like the dudes in Diablo. And it seems to me each general has maybe three different distinct builds in terms of what line on the skill tree you emphasize. Uh, so part of like what's intriguing to me is I would want to, if I were to like play a general and try a build, I would be like, okay, that's one way to play him. There's a couple of other ways to try it. So uh, I, I think there's uh, there, there's a nice bit of sort of uh, there's a good hook there I think in yeah there's general a, builds for example I was with, I was playing with Regulus who is this angelic uh, assassin type with a crossbow and I invested heavily in just making his crossbow have a better range I oh, made God, sure that I, was at so that, annoying Troy that was I so incredibly strong, annoying as far range as I could so I could take out Tom's defenses and. It was working very well for one of the Not first only half my defenses, of Troy. Why don't you tell everyone what else you were doing, which was really a jerky thing, which is, what, I guess, sniping? what Regulus is supposed to do. Yeah, why don't you confess sniping what you? He did? He's got a nice sniping power. I can shoot you from halfway across the map, taking out 500, 600 points. It's sweet. Mind you, in, in melee, he's useless. And early in the game, I, you killed me, Troy, like four times before yep. I could get anything going. I mean, I, I was I was seriously about ready to just say, okay, you won this one, let's play another one. Uh, and, and actually, so go ahead, Troy. But, the, 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 but, then, but then the game turned, because yeah. I completely botched uh, my spending my upgrade points in my Citadel. So Tom was doing the smart thing, getting all these more powerful minions out. And bit by bit, they were overwhelming me. I had really powerful defenses built up, trebuchets, oh forts. Oh, God, that was works. annoying, too. I didn't know that also. So that's another thing that I didn't realize that, Bruce, you may not have known. There are certain upgrades you can buy at your Citadel that apply out onto the map world. Like, I didn't know, Troy, that when you buy trebuchets, I just thought it would sit back by your base. Those are positioned forward on the map. That was incredibly annoying. 
So who won? It was, I mean, it, there was some serious back and forth, but like, like Troy was sort of saying, his he was sort of emphasizing sniping, uh, yeah. and, and those sort eventually of... Tom, eventually Tom overwhelmed me with his catapults and evil angels and Cause I was, giants. And I, I think that's sort of the illustration between how a, an assassin works and a general works, is yeah. I was spending all of my money upgrading my little minions so they were more powerful, buying more powerful minions to travel with my, uh, with my general... And the so the two powers that I emphasized in this build, one of them was, and I would love to be able to say the names of them because I I think that's a I, you know I enjoy doing that credit to the developers. They came up with a cool power, and I don't know the name of it. Uh, right. One of the powers is a flag that you plant, and it's got a large radius. And any time one of my units dies in that radius, he's resurrected as a ghost. And ghosts fly around. They can ignore terrain. They can cross gaps. Uh, and they're my minions. They're added to my army. So I was upgrading this power, which gave me more and more powerful ghosts during a battle. So that was one power I bought, and that would sort of add to the size of my army and sort of uh, I, my a battle would snowball in my favor using these ghosts. And the yeah. other thing that I invested in was a power where when my general attacks someone and kills one of Troy's units... And that's fairly easy to do because in these battles, there's these constant, you know, there's little dudes, little peons basically running around that you can smite with your general. Anytime my general killed one of Troy's peons, he had a good chance of applying healing to all of my units in a general area. So I was concentrating my upgrades on sort of snowballing the success of a battle to push forward. And I think ultimately that that sort of won the, the game for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, was, that, go ahead, Troy. Go ahead. No, I was just saying it was a it was a very good back and forth game. It took us over an hour. Your time for them was was finally finished. I mean, I thought I had Tom on the run a couple of times, and it was an interesting map because it was the fiery lava map. I'm sure it has a <laughs> other name, but the the predetermined route for the minions was was through all the strong points, through all the towers and catapults and trebuchets and all that stuff. Meanwhile, there was this flag, this alternate route with no defenses on it whatsoever. And if I was a general, I just would have sent my guys down around there um, if I'd had more power, So there if were, I had more control. Yeah, there were actually two. Like, the, the, the route directly to the other guy's citadel doesn't go past any flags for a while. And yep. to the north of that route is a flag that gives you bonus experience. To the south of that route, way out of the way, is a flag that uh, decreases the cooldown time for your powers. And then farther beyond that is a flag that gives you more gold over time. Yep. So it takes a real effort to go out of your way to grab either of those flags. And, uh, you know, I think, I guess it pays off. Troy and I were spending a lot of time trading control of the flag. Uh, Troy, you also were driving me crazy by, and it, I didn't realize until the game was over, so you can buy for your general, you can outfit him with different armors and boots and helmets and whatnot, and they affect his abilities. They basically can give him more hit points or, or faster generating mana. So when I saw that Troy was going to be Regulus, the little sniper guy, I immediately knew he was going to hang back and try to snipe my general. So the first thing I bought were these little boots that make my dude run faster. And I was thinking, aha, I'm going to show Troy. He's going to try to snipe me, and I'm just going to run after him and kill him. And for the life of me, I could not catch up with him. Uh, and Troy, it was because, why don't you explain what you did, which 
just I just I invested in a speed thing, a speed hat. And, and you did that through favor points, which are something completely right. independent of any given game. And that was really handy uh, in the early going. Now, by the end, you were catching up to me. Because by um, the end, I had also bought a speed boost. I was like, you, you'd gotten the boots and, I mean, you'd gotten two speed boosts. I've only, only gotten one. Uh, but the way the favor works is after a game is over, you, you're, I think it's your account. I don't think it's a specific general. I think it goes to your, your account as a whole. Yeah. You accumulate favor points. And as soon as a game starts up, every demigod has one little slot, and you can click on it. And in that slot, you can buy uh, an immediate sort of power-up using those favor points. And any power-up you've bought in previous games is available in later games. So that's it's kind sort of, of annoying, point. though, because I mean, if if you, I mean, if you have a whole bunch of points in your account because you're some kind of, you know, yep. super, uh, you know, loser who is only <laughs> playing demigods. Sorry, uh, you you kind of can buy some kind of like super power up, right? Exactly, but you can turn that off. By the way, that's a game setting. When you host a okay. game, All you right. can uh, disable favor, but it's away. also you know it's their little uh, you know like Bruce says if you're. You can call it a loser on one hand, but if you're extremely dedicated to Demigod on the other hand, it's a reward to you for being extremely dedicated to Demigod. Uh, and actually, Bruce, play, you're not going to use that. I reserve the right to use my favorite points because I've worked very hard for them. Mm. Uh, also, I I think most of the favor awards tend to be kind of tweaks, like Troy's little speed hat. And, mm-hmm. and in this case, the tweak was incredibly annoying. It was incredibly effective, and it it really swung the early game in Troy's favor, but ultimately I don't think it won him the game so much as it just really yeah. annoyed me. Yeah. Which was why I chose it. Yes. Uh, so, by the way, I predict that the Regulus uh, Regulus is going to be a popular early demigod choice. I think that's... Uh, I, I can just see a lot of people jumping into games, playing Regulus just to kill the other guy's demigod to try to discourage him. Uh, in other words, I think that was... Ch- that was cheesy. I'm very disappointed in you, Troy, that you didn't do something more I you know, strategic. I didn't know it was cheesy. Strategic-y. Well, how much strategic sophistication is even possible? <laughs> I well, mean, that's a, just a legitimate question. I mean, how yeah. many... Uh, how deep does the strategy... I mean, I, I'm enjoying Demigod. Um, I think it's nice to look at. There's some fun stuff going on. But you do hit the 20-level cap pretty quickly, especially if your Demigod is really in there kicking ass. Um, well, like after an hour, right? Yeah. Well, so. I mean, I, that was... What was That's like uh, seven cups of coffee. Yeah, it was before, <laughs> yeah. before again, the this, hour. There's the three things I mentioned before, is that maybe we don't really know the game very well. We were right. playing on smaller maps, and we were playing at 1v1, when I think Gas Power I think this really would, wants I think this you would, to synergize different Demigod powers. Uh, this would be a great, I think, 3v3 game. Yeah, right. I agree with you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, this I would definitely love to play this uh, uh, three on three um, where Tom's not on my team so that I can kill him. <laughs> uh, it's interesting in that regard, in that I see a comparison to what Relic wants people to do with Dawn of War Two. Is they really encourage when you join a multiplayer game of Dawn of War, you can jump into a one v one match or a three v three match. They don't want you to mess around with 2v2, although you can do that. Uh, 
They clearly want you to play Dawn of War 2 so you can experience the synergy between the different sides and the different generals. Uh, and I, so yeah. I see some of that with Demigod as well. I like Dawn of War 2 a lot more than I like the beta version of Demigod. Which, well, you know, an- fair enough, I, it's the beta version. So, And, and I wonder, too, Dawn of War 2, and, and in a way they play... In certain ways, they play very similarly, these two games, in that they're very focused on uh, basically fewer units, in the case of Demigod, one unit, uh, mm-hmm. in the case of Dawn of War 2, just a couple of them. Um, they want you to really be down close, invested in battles, but Demigod really does have this, like Troy was saying, World War One meat grinder vibe, where there's so many units that are just disposable, that are just dying, whereas Dawn of War 2 really does sort of foster this sense of attachment to all your units. Every unit matters in Dawn of War 2. Very few units matter in Demigod. Well, uh, and it creates- attached to them all. I mean, I get really upset when they die. Like the little archer guys and the little whatever called guys, every single one of them. I feel every single one of those. It must have been very painful for you then to play. It must have been an emotionally I'm, wrenching experience to, to play Demigod. I'm not going to play for Demigod very much as a result. <laughs> um, so I, I I agree with all that, and I think that um, I mean the, the the focus is clearly on the little Demigod thing. I mean the the the, the guys they just go kind of scurrying around, and you it you, it's almost better. It's not almost better. It is better to uh, watch the um, your army's progress on the mini map because there is very clear. You can sort of see it in instant. Um, you know how many your guys there are and how many their guys there are yep. because on the, on the actual yep. map you can't it's very hard to tell which ones are, are yours and which ones are the um, uh, the uh, enemy because in, in keeping with uh, the whole Chris Taylor uh, Supreme Commander um, design philosophy he does let you zoom out pretty far now that's actually a problem because uh, you zoom out too far and you can't really see at all uh, what you're what you're attacking, and because you have to because you have to sort of manipulate that one Titan guy, you sort of have to see what you're what you're attacking with that with the Minotaur. Uh, he has this power which was driving Tom nuts. Um, a lot of things drive Tom nuts. Interestingly <laughs> enough, in this game, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a short drive. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, he uh, the the Minotaur has this hammer that he that does. Oh uh, God, that was driving me nuts. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, and uh, you know, it does a lot of damage to you know the small area, and then uh, sort of splash damage to the or I don't know. Oh. If you, I don't think he uses that word that term properly. Tom will correct me. Um, uh, on the these all these other units, and um, but the problem I, I kept having was I couldn't see what the heck I was targeting. And uh, so, you know, you have to sort of spin the map around and look and see what's going on, and then you sort of lose track of what else is going on, um, which doesn't actually really matter, once again, because all the army stuff is going on in the main map, and you can't control it anyway, especially have the the, uh, assassin titan. So, um, uh, I mean, I I had a lot of problems with the game. I mean, I do do like the... um, I do like the basic idea. I mean, I think it's really neat. And unfortunately, real, real quick, I want to interrupt you, Bruce, because I want to. I just want to bring up one point that, that folks should know that okay. I think will be in the final game that might address what you're talking about. And it, how, I, how, wait, I, how do you know that it's going to be in the final game? I actually did an interview with Chris Taylor. I played a game with him where he and I podcast. Is he any good? Uh, well, you know, Chris Taylor is actually more of the. Uh, 
and and uh, I don't mean to discredit him, but he's more of the sort of the, on a producer role. Like he's more of sort of a spokesperson for the game. He actually didn't design it. Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, so Chris Taylor is not any is not that. I mean, he's not bad, but uh, he was he, he wasn't great. I was worried when we played that I wasn't going to know what was going on and I was going to be left in the dust. But he was he was pretty much about as clueless as me. Uh, but he was saying that one of the things that I think they're going to add, and I believe he said this. Don't hold me to it, but I hope they do because it would make a big difference. Is a mm-hmm. hotkey, a button that you hold down, and a lot of RTSs have this, that then brings up on screen a little display over each unit showing you how much health it has, uh, which would be color coded so you could see which units were on which side. Uh, yeah, that's and not you my could also problem tell. There, genius. I'm sorry? That's, I said, that's not my problem there, genius. My problem. Well, then, well, well hold on. It would yeah, then show uh-huh. you, it would be an it's overlay that would. It would be an overlay that would that would display which units are on which side, uh, so that you could, when you see a big mass of vaguely blue and vaguely red units, they're kind of color coded. Uh, you could just hold down a key that would clearly indicate whose units, which units belong to whom. So that that addresses a little what you're talking about there. And I I think also there's a button that lets you, if you hold down Control, it automatically targets a demigod instead of a, a non demigod unit. But I'm sorry, so I cut you off. I, I just wanted to say, I think that's a feature that they're, they're thinking of adding that might address some of what you're saying about how difficult it is to target things. Well, my difficulty in targeting things was that I simply couldn't see around the freaking Minotaur. Because he's so fat. So, yeah, so how is it going to fix that? Huh? Spin the camera around. Hold down. That's another good thing I like is if you hold down the space bar, the, the mouse completely just spins the map however you want to see it. Like, it's, it's pretty generous in terms of letting you look around at different angles. And you could even angle it like straight down from on top and play yeah, I was it like trying to do that. It didn't seem to. No, no. I'll try it again. That, yeah, that was that was that. Actually, the funny thing is, I was asking Tom in the middle of the game, "How the heck do I target your guy?" And Tom was like, "Oh, well, just hit the space bar and then you know to rotate." I was like, "Oh yeah, great." And then I clicked on him and killed. I'm spinning. I can't find you. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, and another, th- so I know. I'm sorry, I cut you off, Bruce. Did I did I interrupt your train of thought? No, no, no. no. I, keep going. You, I think you, I think you're on the right track there. Uh, so another thing that I wanted to say. So Bruce's hammer was driving me crazy because. Uh, so when Bruce and I were playing, uh, I misspoke earlier. I wasn't playing a general called Oak. I was playing a general called uh, Sedna. Maybe I don't know. She's Seduna. Seduna. Yes. I don't. Was it something yes, like that? Yes, no, Seduna. Because I specifically wrote down that she's the enemy of the First Amendment. Oh right, right. She, she. Um, what was it? She imposes silence, or she no, silences her enemies, which she is the silences kind of thing her enemies. From you. Exactly. And now, so I only realized partway through the game what that means, Bruce. Is there's an area of effect around her where she cuts down the healing, where she she disactivate, deactivates the healing power of enemy priests. So that's how she silences enemies. There's still freedom of the press. The enemies can say whatever they want. But not freedom but of not the freedom of religion. Right, no freedom of religion. No priest's healing. Uh, but what Sedna could do, or Seduna, or whatever, what she could do, and she's this chick who rides around on a big cat, uh, is she can summon yetis, because apparently she's like a Himalayan priestess. I don't know. I don't know the backstory. I'm, I'm sure the backstory is very involved. Right. So she summons these yetis, who are these, and that was one of the powers that I was emphasizing. So by the time we got to the the end game grind, Seduna was bringing out, you know, five upgraded yetis, which are like these big, I don't know, snow apes or whatever. So I would summon them, and they would be great. They would last long in battle. They had a lot of hit points. But sometimes I would summon them, and there's a little timer where it takes her time to to cast a spell. 
And Bruce, while I'm summoning them, would walk up and with one blow of that stupid hammer, instantly kill all the the, uh, yetis I was summoning. So this became a matter of my, and I think it was something like a thousand mana to to bring out uh, these yetis. Me blowing a thousand mana versus Bruce blowing however much it cost to swing his hammer, which I suspect was was nowhere near that. Yeah, yeah. So I was losing the little paper, rock, scissors, trumping battle there. Uh, Is it just me, or does mana accumulate much more slowly than health? Well, it totally depends on what on your general and what clothes your general is wearing. You know, you can buy hats and rings and whatnot. That, right. That, uh, so, so that's one of the things we, I was doing in my game with you, Troy, is that you were killing my dudes. So I, I was having to bring out onto the field things to improve my mana uh, regenerating ability. Because I was doing fine getting health, but I would run out of mana. Uh, Whereas then by the end game, killing your dude was the wrong thing to do because you had the invincible power. Yes, that was another great little trumping. So, so Troy has the uh, demigod assassin. Uh, I keep dying, which is really annoying. And Oak, one of his powers is when he gets killed, he can zap into a state of invulnerability and super attack power for a given for amount of time. For about 15 seconds or so. Yeah. Enough to take down two towers. Exactly. So that was this awesome thing where I'm like, okay, if you're going to assassinate me, well, I'll just buy this power. Uh that was another instance of sort of a power directly trumping another power, like like Bruce was doing with a stupid hammer against my yetis. Well, the, the the curse power was the big one that I used to counter your stuff because you had these this huge army just continually coming at me, and you kept using your uh, summon the ghosts power, so I'd keep cursing you. And every time you'd summon the ghost, you'd do four hundred damage, eight hundred damage to any of your soldiers around you. So that was okay. So that was something that you you target my demigod, you cast yep. it, and then I can see the icon on my screen showing that yep. I've got that the next power I pop off is going to do area effect damage around me. So if I'd finessed it more, I, I would probably like want to run away and then do a power to get rid of that, but I couldn't really afford to do that in battle. Yeah. No, because your armies are generally useless. They're cannon fodder until you get enough of them. Um, yeah, they're not completely useless. I guess the thing that about that, and now just to pick up on the on this, you know, cursing and whatever, all this other stuff. I, I the think, counter, yeah. Yeah, with um, just like a whole bunch of other stuff in Supreme Commander, and once again, I know that Chris Taylor didn't design this game, so he's, you know, not liable for any, you know, damage that might be done by bad game design. But uh, it seems like the whole idea is a lot better than the actual implementation. I mean, a lot of the times, I couldn't really tell what the heck was going on. Um, there was too much happening. I wasn't. It wasn't quite clear to me what... Uh, and maybe it's just because I'm stupid, but, uh, you know, my guy would be getting damaged, and it wasn't really clear who was damaging my Titan uh, or why, and uh, I would just sort of lash out and sort of put a giant hammer on a bunch of stuff, and then the stuff would die, and then my Titan would stop getting damaged. But uh, I mean, it wasn't really clear what died or what was it, what was attacking. It was just this amorphous blob of stuff going on. And, Definitely, uh, yeah, it gets huge and messy. Yes. Yeah, and and I think that the elegance of the sort of uh, back and forth and and um, sort of thrust and parry that you would get from um, something more more obvious like a, you know a card mechanic i'm not saying and i'm not saying that they should <laughs> institute a turn-based card play mechanic into demigod but my point, my point is 
that you know when something's completely obvious and you can see what both players are doing and you can see what the response is, it 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 it, uh, it sort of emphasizes the gameplay um, and the elegance of the gameplay. And here, you know, Tom's clicking on a bunch of buttons, and you know, he may see that he's using whatever powers, but I have no idea what he's doing. And Tom can see me using my hammer. But uh, besides that, we're just sort of running around doing things, and the armies are doing their own thing on their own, you know, completely separately, and you can't really control it. So, um, in theory, great game. In practice, it just it's a little too amorphous. I think that's how I would characterize the game. Um, I don't I think, really yeah. connect with it well. And imagine that, Bruce, with, like, if they expect it to play with, you know, 3v3, <laughs> it goes all the way to 5v5. Yeah, you know, there's. I imagine there's probably a unique graphic to each of the powers, so they expect players will eventually learn these. But mm-hmm. as overbearing as it could be with you and I on one v one, imagine five v five. You know, you've got five demigods. They've each got you know maybe three different builds, and you're not going to be knowing who's doing what power and why you're dying. So, yeah, I imagine in that regard, it would have a very steep learning curve. In terms of mastering the system they've created, I mean, yeah, on, in theory it sounds very elegant, but in practice it, it can be very overbearing, very sloppy seeming. How do you think well, I, I, figures I, in the end of this whole thing? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think the game is really optimal for, you know, 2v2, 3v3. Because you, you will reach a point where there's just so much information coming at you. I mean, Tom and... Uh, I pretty much understood what Tom was doing once I understood what his units were. I'd ask him, you know, what's that stupid spirit thing? Where are they coming from? Once I understood what the source of that power was, I said, okay, well, then I need to do this. Um, so you do learn the counters. Um, it's, no, it's not quite as elegant as, you know, playing a card, but even though you have to learn your cards. I mean, Tom, you and I, I mean, Bruce, you and I played uh, Twilight Struggle a couple of times, and if I don't know the cards, um, I lose. Right. But the so only advantage think, is that Tom's actually telling you what he's doing, whereas with me, he lies and says, <laughs> makes up these things that don't really exist. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I have this this power that, that makes me levitate. Like, no, it doesn't. You know, it's too late. Whatever. So. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think about how well the game will do commercially. Like, do you think this game will sell well? And how well do you think it will be reviewed? What is this? We're going to have to predict I mean, so you know, you guys have seen that it's a very different kind of a design. Do you think it's gonna? Do you think it's gonna take? Are people gonna dig this? And how do you think reviewers uh, are, are gonna? How's it gonna be received uh, among like the average guys who write game reviews? I just have an opinion. I would be well, curious what I mean, you guys you, feel about this. You know, my general opinion of the average guys who write games reviews. Um, Especially the guy who writes for Fidget. He doesn't know what he's talking oh, that about. Guy. Half well, forget him. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. As for how well it will sell, I think it will sell. I mean, it'll do better than Supreme Commander on the 360. It's been, it's been heavily marketed, heavily promoted. There's been a lot of stories about it. A lot of people know about Demigod. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if it'll. Re- I think it. Will, I don't think it will sell as well as either Stardock or Gas Powered Games would like it to. I think that it is targeting a very small audience of people who are really into the multiplayer dueling stuff. And I think EA has the same problem with Battleforge, which came out last week. That this is a game that is targeting an audience that is really not that big. And um, 
I, I, I'm enjoying Demigod. Uh, if I was to review it, I mean, I have to see the final build. I will probably be mostly positive. Um, but this is really a multiplayer game. Well, they're well, doing something I, different with single player. I don't. Well, I don't there's some kind of campaign question. thing. What? Well, well, doesn't really care what I think. Tom doesn't care what I think. It's going to be a campaign. No, I, I do want to hear what you say, Bruce. But I, 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 I there, there is great. some kind of a single player campaign where you, it's like a, you know, some story driven y thing. Oh, you're kidding way. me. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, doing something like that. Because uh, you know, on the the build that we've got, there's a single player button that's grayed out. Sure. For us to do a skirmish, we have to host a multiplayer game and, and plug in an, an AI opponent online. Now that'll Just be like different. Just like The final bit, right, right. Uh, so they're doing something single player. So okay. So Bruce, what do you think the reception will be of Demigod? Yeah, how will this game go over, Bruce? You're up. You have the conk. Oh, I have no freaking idea. I mean, <laughs> okay, that's a good answer. <laughs> How is it going to be received? I don't know. How well is it going to sell? I don't know. I mean, the game's not even... I can't, don't even know what's in the game, because like you pointed out, I mean, there's a whole, you know, part of the game that explains, you know, the different demigods and their feelings and, you know, you know what they you know what they do for a living and, and all the, you know, kind of stuff that you get in a story about demigods. And, um, and I have no... I mean, from, from what I understand, or at least from what you've tried to bang into my head, over all these years is that half these people, actually more than 90% of the people that, that buy these games uh, just play the single-player campaign, and when they're done with it, they consider to finish the game, So, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But um, So as far as they're concerned, this game doesn't even exist yet because there's no, I mean, the beta has no single-player mm-hmm. story campaign. So in that sense, I don't know. Um, in the sense of uh, how is it going to be reviewed, I mean, uh, I mean a whole bunch of people. How was how was Supreme Commander review? I mean, pretty well, right? Got very, yeah, very good reviews. So, and uh, do you think all those people that that really love Supreme Commander actually really love Supreme Commander? Well, I, here's why I'm asking, Bruce. I mean, ultimately, I agree with you, Bruce, when you say, "How well is it going to do?" I don't know. I totally agree with that, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't. I don't claim to be any great prognosticator. I don't think any of us is. But the reason, it's a loaded question, and here's why I'm asking. Uh, Gas Powered Games has created, and I'm always interested to see this. I love seeing this done. But they've created a real-time strategy game unlike any other real-time strategy game. They're trying something different. To their credit, they're trying something new that I think... Totally ripped off of Titan. Still. Okay, go ahead. Actually, you know what, though, Bruce? It's, It's ripped off of Titan. It's also ripped off of this old Warcraft mod called Defense of the Ancients which is a right. huge multiplayer scene. Uh, it's very sort of obscure and esoteric and hard to get into. The guys who play Defense of the Ancients, they don't need another game. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to... I mean, they'll be curious about this, but I don't think you want to sell games to those guys because they've already got something they're, they're trying to play. Right. It's like trying to sell an MMO to people who play World of Warcraft. Those guys are sold already. They're doing their thing. So yeah. I, I respect gas-powered games for doing something different, but I really can imagine this game going the way of some of my other pet RTSs, like End War and Multiwinia, that I'm like, yeah, this is brilliant, it's awesome, it's ingenious, it's bold, it's new... And then there's the sound of crickets chirping, you know, when when it comes to people playing online or it getting a good critical reception or even good commercial sales. Sins of a Solar Empire did very, very well, and it's a conventional RTS. I think this doesn't have that going for it necessarily. This also has a weird mythology. 
you know, everybody looks at sins and they're like, yeah, spaceships. I love that. I don't, I don't think this is going to be as accessible in either the yeah. design or their little mythology. I, I think this game is going to be a tough sell. And so that was my loaded reason for, for asking the question. Well, I, I don't think it's going to crack any top ten lists. Um, well, it's, it's not going to be – go ahead. Tom, weren't you the same guy that said Halo War was going to be a really risky proposition? Yes, yes. Is that that's doing well though, isn't it? Don't why yes, do exactly. why do you want to bring that up? That game is coming gone. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. So I, mean, I guess <laughs> well, Halo Wars though, Bruce. To be fair, I I think Halo Wars sold on the strength of the Halo brand. I mean, it. it you know what? I don't want to go too far, but yes, I I thought Halo Wars would be a very risky game, and it seems to have paid off very well for Microsoft. So yes, exactly. Take what I say with a grain of salt. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I'm not trying. To, I mean, I, I think you have a good point about the about the game sort of being, you know, marketed towards people who, and as Troy points out, as a small audience. I mean, trying to trying to sell a game, uh, a real time strategy game based solely on multiplayer, I think is is really really difficult. Not like I said. This is a beta version, and and as far as how it's going to be reviewed, I have no idea, and I really don't want to. And I think I've you know I've been making a whole bunch of comments during this podcast, and uh, I want to make it very clear that my opinions are based solely on the thing that I played, and um, you know it's it's if the game is you know has an interesting single player campaign and all all sorts of other stuff that gives it more character. You know, I, I can't predict what people are going to like and dislike and how well it's going to do based on all those things. Um, but, uh, you know, this game itself, as it stands, I mean, has some interesting ideas. And I'd love to see some of them fleshed out more and developed more. Um, and it could just be that, like, you know, Brad Wardell says, you know, this is, what, two months behind where the where the current version is? And a lot of the stuff has changed. So, um, you know, trying to predict how this beta would sell or be reviewed if it were, um, you know, sent out to the all the people that would, you know, play it for three hours and then give it a score. Um, you know, I can't. 7.5. 7.2. Okay. Yeah, Troy, what's your prediction? 6.9. Wow. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, wow, that's, a, that's an epic fail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Bruce is the most uh, bullet Barrett uh, optimistic <laughs> on, on the, the game. Well, this is a predi- this is my prediction. I, I actually like it. So no, no, I, I think yeah, I I am with you 100 percent, Troy. I, I'm quite fond of what they're trying to do, uh, but I just see it having a hard time getting much traction, critically or or commercially. I'd love to be wrong though. Well, I mean, critically, it's it's, it's going to be tough because people like. Uh, gas-powered games, except for Space Siege. I mean, Supreme Commander got a lot of really good reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm with Bruce. I don't think a lot of people really played it that much. Um, at least my problems were never addressed in most most of the reviews. But And this game has been getting a lot of promotion. And it, it looks cool. Stardock does have a lot of goodwill with press yes. and players, and I think yeah, that definitely helps them. Yes. So can, can you guys, just for, for my benefit, because I mean, I really, I'm, I'm kind of out of yep. touch with everything that was released after, you know, Titan in 1980. And, um, <laughs> I mean, I, what's going on? So what's with this, what, what's with the marketing? And, I mean, is this being heavily, is there a buzz around this game? I mean, what's what's the story? I mean, it, it's heavily marketed. I mean, I haven't seen any TV ads for Demigod. 
Well, PC games don't get ads. Oh. Is that a, is that federal statute? <laughs> yeah, it's an FTC regulation. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we, I think I think it's it's just that you know this is the next game from the guys that did Supreme Commander. Chris Taylor still has a lot of cachet from having done Total Annihilation way back in the day. Uh, does he yeah. really? I mean, is that really true? Yeah, yeah I think so. That that, that okay, Total Annihilation. Asking, I mean, I, I just I just wonder that game was you know 1997. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. All right, just checking, uh, just making sure that's fine. Okay. So yeah, I think there is there is a there's a, amongst RTS players. I, I mean, I think it's got a good amount of buzz, and amongst Stardock fans, there's a good amount of buzz, and it makes for good screenshots. I mean, it takes very nice screenshots. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. You have to understand that 99 percent of the units you see on this screenshot, you have no control over. <laughs> you cannot touch this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Good. But you can touch the really uh, big one. Well, I mean, too bad we didn't get to talk about uh, Battleforge. Well, Battleforge will still be here. I'm doing writing the review up for Crispy Gamer, and that should be up sometime uh, next week. And by the way, before we uh, play out, I just wanted to apologize profusely to Troy because I had I, I just I had no intention of. <laughs> Of, of making you buy Rune Factory Frontiers. Uh, I don't know if it's working for you or not, but my enthusiasm about it last week wasn't necessarily a recommendation. Well, the thing is, you, you, you piqued my interest. Oh, okay. you know, it's something... It sounds like a game that I want to try. Uh, I don't... Were, I can't imagine it would work for you. Am I Am I right or wrong? Is it, well, is it taking... Well, lying, you weren't lying about the pace. Yeah. This is a slow start. Um, and, man... The JRPG stuff, I just want to kill my hero over and over and over again. Stop blinking. Say something. Ask the girl out. Oh. It's terrible. He's terribly annoying. That would be a Canadian um, RPG. <laughs> the Canadian JRPG. Yes. Ask the girl out. All right, guys. I think we're done for tonight. Uh, thanks for listening. And next week, we hope to discuss... Well, we're not going to say what we're going to discuss. Eventually, we hope to get to End War. Yes. Oh, I can't really, wait to talk about End I really, War. Is that there is, getting? Should I get that game? You wouldn't like it. You know what? No. So I, I, I think I've told you... I might have told you this before, Bruce. End War is what would happen if uh, a board game designer made an RTS. So maybe you would like it. I don't know. Maybe you would like it. Is it like Agricola? Yeah. Uh, <sighs> It's well, there we've mentioned Agricola. There we have to mention Agricola once per podcast. So that's I true. That. We that almost our... we almost flaked this podcast. Very yeah. good point. Yes, yeah. that was okay. terrible. Good work. <sighs> okay, say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, everyone. Take it easy. <laughs>